uh, it's my um, joy, privilege, responsibility to, to bring God's word to you as we transition from one year to another. Uh, the portion of the Bible that we're going to be looking at this evening is 2 Timothy chapter, 12, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Allow me to read that for us. It'll come up for us on screen. This is the Apostle Paul writing uh, to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Verse 8. Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, has preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is the word of the Lord. Most of us, we joke about how we make and break New Year resolutions. And I think we'll all agree that all of those jokes are justified. Because every one of us, we are laughing stock when it comes uh, to the, the, the consistency with which we keep making, but also breaking New Year resolutions. And it's, it's around this time of the year, you're going to hear, keep hearing these jokes all the time. Now, as much as, much as we joke about them, we can't deny the deep need that we feel from deep within the desire we experience to make a fresh start. If we keep breaking them, and yet we keep making them year after year after year, surely it tells us something of the deep longing for change that every one of us experience. That is a good, godly desire. So what is a good New Year resolution to make? This passage that we are looking at uh, from the book of 2 Timothy, it suggests a very simple but highly effective New Year resolution that we can all make. And that's what I'm hoping to unpack uh, for us this evening. So from the passage we looked at, I'd like to unpack three things. First, a new paradigm of living. Second, the secret to living the new paradigm. And third, the true test of living the new paradigm. A new paradigm of living, 
the secret to living the new paradigm and the true test of, of living the new paradigm. Let's start with the first, a new paradigm. Look at verse 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Even as the Apostle Paul is writing this to Timothy, Timothy is standing at the intersection of past experience and future opportunity. Right here, at the, in the intersection in which he is standing, Timothy has this past experience of having heard the gospel preached to him. And that's what Paul is referring to. The gospel has been preached to you. That's his past experience. And at this intersection, he also has this future opportunity ahead of him. And Paul is exhorting him to teach what he has heard to men who can also teach others. And as Timothy stands at this intersection between past experience and future opportunity, what is it that the Apostle Paul is telling that Timothy needs? That's in verse 1. As Timothy stands in this intersection between past experience and future opportunity, Timothy t- Paul tells him in verse 1, My dear son, be strengthened By the grace that is in Christ Jesus. At this intersection, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's what Timothy needs at this intersection. Where do you think Timothy is going to be one day later? At the same intersection between past experience and future opportunity. Where do you think he's going to be one week later? At the same intersection, wherever he stands, he would have had past experience and he will have future opportunity before him. One year later, he's still going to be at that intersection. He would have had more past experience and more future opportunity open up. Ten years later, he would still be there. And the same is true for every one of us. You and I, right now, at the end of 2022, we stand at this intersection between past, op- past experience and future opportunity. And this is the new paradigm of living that the Apostle Paul is calling Timothy and all of us to. This new paradigm of living is to live in the present and be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus in the present. Every single day for every one of us is an intersection between past experience and future opportunity. And the Apostle Paul, in the Word of God, is calling us, every one of us, to live in the present and be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Simply put, this is the new paradigm of living. Every moment in our lives, every day in our lives, to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This may sound simple, but it's extremely profound. At every moment in our lives, 
we cannot undo the past. And every moment in our lives, we cannot control the future. We can plan for the future, we can prepare for the future, but we cannot control the future. At every moment of our lives, we have no influence over the past, we have no influence over the future. The only influence we have is in the present, here and now. And the new paradigm of living that the Apostle Paul is calling us to is to focus on being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus in the present. Live in the moment, but live in the moment being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In Christ, it is so liberating to live in this paradigm of being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus every single moment, in the present. If we truly believe in Christ, if our faith in Jesus is indeed real, then at every moment in our lives, all of our past sins have been completely forgiven. The Bible calls this justification. This is not something we accomplish. It has been accomplished for us by Christ Jesus. Who took on the just punishment for all of our sins upon himself. God being broken for man so that we could be forgiven and made whole in Christ Jesus. This is justification. Our past is completely forgiven. We are fully justified And having justified us, having wiped the slate clean of all of our past sins in the present, God is sanctifying us. In the present, God is working on sanctifying us. We participate in the sanctification by giving ourselves to being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus in the present. And this paradigm, this new paradigm of of living in the present, being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, will challenge both licentious people and legalistic people. Let me unpack that. Licentious people are people who keep on sinning. Every one of us is licentious to some extent or the other. Myself first. We are sinners, which is why Christ came to die for us. So licentious people keep on sinning, taking grace for granted. Legalistic people, on the other hand, derive their righteousness from their own good works, not what Christ has done on their behalf. And so licentiousness and legalism are two ways in which every one of us, we stray away from the gospel of Christ Jesus. We undermine the gospel in our lives always by either of these two ways. And both of these ways, both of these errors, both of these ways in which we walk away from the gospel, legalism and licentiousness, weaken us. Only the gospel strengthens us in Christ Jesus. And so here's how licentious people go go wrong. They cop out. They cop out of grace. Let Let me explain this. I am so bad. My past is so messed up. I have, so, I have failed so badly this year. I thought 2021 was the worst 
I can't believe that I've done worse in 2022. What is the point of hoping in Christ? I'm such a failure. I'm, I'm struggling with the same sin pattern over and over and over again. Sounds familiar? All of us feel like this. All of us feel like this to some extent or, or the other. But the truth is, for, for licentious people, all of these are just lame excuses to avoid sanctification. You see, we don't want to give ourselves to sanctification, so we find these lame, lame excuses. If we actually acknowledge that God has truly forgiven all of our past sins, which indeed He has, if our faith in Christ Jesus is genuine, if we really believe Christ has wiped out all our sins in the past, then in the present, we must yield ourselves to His sanctification. But we love our sins way too much. We don't want to change. We don't want to give up our sins. And so we kind of cop out of grace by saying, I'm so bad that even God can't uh, heal me. But this new paradigm of living that the Apostle Paul is talking about is going to heal, bring healing to licentious people. How is that? The moment by God's grace, by the sovereign work of God's Holy Spirit, as He convicts us of sin, as we acknowledge our sin, as we repent of it, the moment we come to God with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the moment we open the door to Him, even just a little bit, grace floods into our lives like a waterfall. God delights in forgiving and transforming us. Think about this. Think, about, think with me about this for just a moment. If God has given His Son, if God has already laid His beloved Son on the altar, why would He ration out grace to us in small quantities? You see, God has already paid the price for our salvation. He's laid His Son, Jesus, on the altar. Having given it all, why would He now give us grace in small doses? No, grace, the grace of God flows into our lives always like a waterfall. And God delights in forgiving and transforming every one of us who believe in Christ Jesus. And so this is how this new paradigm of living helps licentious people. And here's how this new paradigm of living challenges and helps legalistic people. And legalistic people, as I, tend, as I explained earlier, tend to derive present righteousness from our past good works. I've been pastoring this church for 10 years so much labor, so much toil, faithful ministry, surely God owes me something. That's legalism, right there in your face. Or, uh, I've been part of the worship team five years. I come one and a half hours before the service to set up every single week. How could God do this to me? Right? That's, that's, that's legalism. Legalism is also an excuse to not being strengthened by the grace of God in Christ Jesus in the present. 
But even legalistic people, as we give ourselves to being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus in the present, we too find healing for our legalism. Because every time we experience grace, true grace, every pretense of earning our worth before God is melted away. Every pretense that we come before God with anything except the rags of our own righteousness, the filthy rags of our own righteousness, and but clothed with the righteousness of Christ. There's nothing that we can do that can make God love us more than he already loves us in Christ Jesus. There's nothing we can do for those of us who truly believe us that can make God love us less because of the truth of justification. We are all clothed through the righteousness of Christ and absolutely and eternally loved. So that's the first thing that I want to draw out. This new paradigm of living, which is living in the present, strengthened by the grace of God that is there in Christ Jesus. Not worrying about the past, not obsessing too much over the future. The second thing I wanted to draw out for us, for us is the secret to living this new paradigm. What does it really mean to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Practically speaking, what does that look like? Can, can, can you just break it, down, break it down for me? I'm going to try and do that for us. And this idea of being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus is found in other parts of the Bible as well. Uh, the author of the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse, in chapter 13, verse 9, he says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to, to them. Uh, the author of Hebrews is comparing being strengthened by the grace of God to food. And this, this comparison with food is really, really helpful for us in trying to understand what it means to be strengthened by the grace of God. How, how are we strengthened physically by food? What happens? It's pretty simple. We, we have three meals a day. And we are strengthened by the regular meals, regular food we have Every single day. Uh, for those of you um, who are new, this is your first time. Uh, generally, on, on when we meet on Sunday mornings, uh, at the end of service, we, we order biryani for everyone. And, you know, 25, 30 people stay back after the service. We all have a meal together. Uh, for those of you who've enjoyed the biryani for many weeks, tell me something. How many of you have said, what a wonderful meal I don't have to eat for the next week. How many of you have just said, oh, I've had my fill. I've just eaten so much. I've had my fill of physical food. I don't need to eat for the next week. If you're like me, you're feeling hungry by 5 o'clock in the evening. I'm back home and searching for a snack. Right? 
one meal is not enough to sustain us for a week. We need to eat daily. We need to eat three meals daily. So this physical truth is, is absolutely relevant even in our spiritual lives. If you look in the Old Testament, God gave his people manna daily, afresh. Or if you look at the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, give us this day our daily bread. So one of the ways to be strengthened, practically speaking, in the grace of God that is there for us in Christ Jesus, is to read, meditate on, and pray through God's word daily. Grace is found always in this triangle between God's word, God's spirit, and God's people, God's community. It is in this triangulation between God's word, God's spirit, and God's word, God's God's community, God's word, God's spirit, God's community. It is in this triangulation that grace of, of God is most abundant. And so we give ourselves... To, to, to God's word, to daily reading, meditation, and praying on God's word. The first thing I'm going to hear is this is so hard. Uh, I, I really struggle with, with this thing about reading the Bible every day. I, I really struggle with it. Uh, it's real. I've, I've experienced those struggles. But let me, let me share a simple 15-minute framework that I want to encourage you to kind of give it a shot in this new year. 15-minute framework. Surely as busy as we are in Mumbai, we, have, we can give at least 15 minutes to Christ, the one who laid his life down for us on the cross. 15-minute framework. As a church, we're reading through the same chapters of the Bible every day. We have a journal that we use. There's a reading schedule. I'll share more about this later. There are copies for everyone. If you don't have, you're welcome to pick one up. So all this framework that I'm suggesting is, is just this. Take five minutes to read through that chapter. Five minutes. Take fun, another five minutes to, to meditate on the portion of the chapter that your heart was most drawn to. Not even the entire chapter. Just, just a paragraph maybe. Just a verse sometimes. Take five minutes to meditate through it. And take another five minutes to pray through it. Fifteen minutes. It's doable. Uh, is that all that needs to be done? No, we can do more. We, 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 when the, as we grow in our delight in God's word, you'll find yourself spending more and more time. But fifteen minutes is, is a start. If, if you're someone who struggled with reading God's word with any consistency, I'd really encourage you to try this fifteen-minute framework. You know, just like our bodies get hungry, our souls get hungry too. If we don't feast on God's word, if we don't feast, if you don't feed our souls with God's word, our souls are going to find food in something else. It, it could be a career, it could be a career. Uh, we might find uh, our meaning, we might find soul strength in career success. And if that happens, we've just created an, an idol of the heart, replacing Christ with career success. It could be anything, money, fame, relationships, all of it. 
And all of these in comparison to the feast that God gives us in Christ Jesus is junk food. In, in the light of Christ, everything else is junk food. Now what's going to happen if we have fries and coke three meals a day? And, and desert thrown in. At some point of time, we're going to have a heart attack. It's not healthy for our souls. It might long, take longer spiritually than it does physically. But the heart attack is coming if we live only on our junk food. So give this 15-minute framework a shot. The second key to this living this new paradigm that the Apostle Paul is inviting us to see is, is consistency. He gives three examples. The soldier, the athlete, and, and the farmer. Uh, what's common in all three of them? Consistency. Now what, what happens if a soldier kind of does his drills, you know, shows up on time uh, for three weeks on the trot, and then two weeks he kind of becomes indisciplined? What will happen if the farmer goes to the field regularly for a month, and then two months he just slacks off? familiar, isn't it? We've all been going, we've all been through cycles where we, we were doing everything well in God's grace for three weeks, and then two weeks we've gone missing. Consistency is key. And when we pray, when we ask God, grace always comes into our lives like a waterfall. That brings us to the third and the last thing that I want to draw out for us. Uh, from this passage. The true test of living the new paradigm. How do I know that I'm truly being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? You know, I know, you know, it's possible to keep our Bibles open and sleep for 15 minutes. Uh, We both know that we can read a chapter, uh, maybe not just 15 minutes, even 30 minutes, Uh, But we're making plans for everything else in our lives as we're reading the chapter. Uh, You know, I want to acknowledge this. Uh, Sometimes I never get past a few verses. You know, I I start reading the chapter, I get into a few verses, and my my mind is making plans for the work I have for today, next, next project, you know, everything else. And And I said, no, 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 this is, I need to focus on God's word. I start from the start of the chapter again. And maybe I won't even reach till the point of where I made it before, before my mind strays off again, right? And, and before we realize it's, it's 45 minutes, and I'm thinking uh, I have spent 45 minutes reading God's word, but the reality is nothing's, nothing's gone. We're all masters of self-deception. We're all masters of self-deception. We... we tend to inflate ourselves more than we really are. That's true of our spiritual life, uh, spiritual life, uh, life too. So how do I really know that I'm being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? How do I know that the grace of God, I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm tasting, I'm feasting of God's grace? How do I know that the grace of God is indeed transforming me? How do I know that I'm not fooling myself? The Apostle Paul gives us two answers to this question again in this passage. First is verse 1 and 2. Let me read that again. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. See, here's the first test that the grace of God is really transforming us. 
Because if the grace of God is really transforming us, we will be a blessing to others. Here Paul is saying, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. That's the first test. If the grace of God is indeed changing us, we will be a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we hang out with, with friends from church, we won't just be discussing music, good music and good food and good movies. Avatar was a great movie. No spoilers. It's good to do that. It builds community. But if that's all we are doing, and there is no word of encouragement, there's no care, concern for how we are doing one another, how each concern for one another in terms of how we are doing in Christ, then surely we're missing something. The grace of God working in us will compel us to be a blessing to others, other co believers in Christ. The second test of that the grace of God is indeed transforming us is there Paul gives us in verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So we see here that the grace of God that is at work in Paul, in the apostle Paul, is, is making him pour out his life to share the gospel with explorers, people who do not know Christ Jesus. The grace of God is compelling him to mission. Now in our lives, our mission looks very different from what it looked like Apostle Paul, for the Apostle Paul. We are not going to, we are not, we may not be called to go on ship journeys and end your shipwrecks, uh, but we are surely called to take risks in, in initiating conversations about Christ Jesus to the colleagues and neighbors and friends that God has placed us amongst. So two clear tests that the grace of God is transforming us. First, we, help, we, we, we find ourselves helping, loving and helping brothers and sisters in Christ. We find ourselves reaching out to, to explorers. I want to bring all of this uh, to a close. And here's the simple New Year resolution I think this passage is, is calling us to make. Very simple. Every day, as you stand at the intersection of past experience and future opportunity, would you spare 15 minutes right up at the beginning of the day to be strengthened in the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus by giving yourself to His Word? How do I find the power to live all of this out? How do I find the power? I'll close with this. Paul gives us the answer again in the, in the same passage. Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy. Timothy is an elder in the church. Timothy is, is being appointed by Paul to, to lead the church. And to this leader, to this pastor, uh, Pastor Timothy, the apostle Paul is telling, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Why would Paul do that? Has Timothy forgotten Jesus Christ risen from the dead? Surely not. He is the elder in the church. What Paul is calling Timothy to do is present remembrance. What Paul is calling Timothy to do is to bring Christ Jesus, his death on the cross, 
his sinless life lived on our behalf and his resurrection from the dead, Paul is calling Timothy to bring Christ to the forefront of his consciousness. This is present grace. What would our lives look like if we take just a few minutes every day to pause, to bring Christ Jesus to the forefront of our consciousness? Not be content with the faith we had 10 years ago. Not being content with with allowing Christ to remain somewhere in, in the back of our minds. But allowing every single day to see afresh the Son of God dying on the cross for us and rising again from the dead. As we allow, as we bring Christ to the forefront of our consciousness, He will warm our cold hearts with His irresistible grace. Would you join with me as I lead us in prayer? Father, we worship you, Lord. Lord, there are many plans that we can and we should make for the new year. But we pray, Lord, would would you help us? Uh, Would you help us uh, see the necessity, the desperate need every one of us have to being strengthened in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. And Lord, help us to truly understand that, that being strengthened in God's grace daily is, is not an optional, a good thing to do. But help us to see that this is a desperate necessity for every one of us. So we pray by your spirit, O oh Lord, pour out your spirit upon us and enable us, Lord, by your spirit to grow in our love to grow in our appetite for Christ Jesus. Bless us. Help us, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.